should we contextually explain that twist or just just leave it yeah, like that? Yeah, I mean, I don't know. I feel like we haven't contextually explained very much of this movie at all. <laughs> <laughs> we should maybe no. we, we should maybe put at the start of this like not to add preamble, but <laughs> this will be incomprehensible if you haven't watched the movie. <laughs> Sarah, do you, generally speaking, trust my advice and opinion when it comes to movies? <laughs> like, do you think I give good recommendations generally? Yeah, I think so. You're a, a movie guy, and I really liked The Thing. Yeah, so I feel like usually, because obviously I talk about movies a lot, I will frequently say like, oh yeah, this movie kicks ass, or like, this movie's really good. But I feel like I only recommend a movie to you like i only go out of my way to say like hey i think that you should watch this if it's like genuinely something that i think you will enjoy and i know that you are interested in film as well like the process of making film and stuff oh yeah so usually when i recommend a movie to you it's because i think it's doing something interesting in terms of like filmmaking like Scream is obviously like one of my favorite movies, but the reason I recommended it to you was because I thought it does interesting things with like not just the meta narrative, but it does stuff like the entire last act is scored with the score of John Carpenter's Halloween that is playing diegetically in the scene. And like it does stuff like that that I just thought like I bet Sarah would find that interesting. Yeah. Or you know, One Cut of the Dead was a, a movie we haven't talked about on this podcast, but one that I recommended to you because I was like, it's about filmmaking and it's interesting and weird. I was just thinking of that, except I was going to call it that zombie movie because I couldn't <laughs> remember the name. But that came to mind uh, precisely. Yeah. So I didn't do that this week. This week I recommended a movie just because I like it and it's Halloween time. Doesn't really do anything super interesting. Thought you probably wouldn't like it very much, but I wanted to talk about Halloween shit because this episode comes out on Halloween. Oh man, I was a little worried watching it. I actually <laughs> paused it at one point and just double checked that there wasn't another trick <laughs> or treat movie. I and I'm like, I'm not, I'm not in the weeds of the horror genre. I don't, I don't know all the all the tropes and the subversions and the you know, I'm I'm not into it. So I'm like, maybe I'm missing something here. Maybe this is kind of parodying something. <laughs> but genuinely, at one point, I just looked down at my paper because I was taking notes and I wrote, what the fuck, Ethan? <laughs> was, yeah, it was a roller coaster. So why? I mean, what? why what the fuck? Like, what triggered that? Okay. All right. Well, imagine this. I have a piece of toast that I'm eating while watching this movie. One second. Let me it's ready sad. my mind palace. Oh, oh, oh good. Yeah. It's sourdough. Oh. Store-bought. We didn't make oh, it. Oh, okay. A little bit of butter, lightly toasted. Sitting on the couch, I'm enjoying this piece of toast. And then I get to what was ultimately something that made me enjoy the movie while hating it simultaneously. And that is the skin peeling 
werewolf transformation. Oh, yeah. Um, why, are they, why are they sexy dancing and, and woo boobs and then skin peeling? No, no. <laughs> the toast was still good, but I was, <laughs> I had to pause for a second and just be like, what? <laughs> why? <laughs> Ethan, why? <laughs> uh, that scene redeemed the movie for me. And then it got better after that. But that's toward the end. Yeah, yeah, that's pretty late in the in the game. So, trick or treat is I is something of a holiday classic, in my opinion. It is. I don't watch it every year or anything. It had actually been a while since I watched it, but I did rewatch it for this, and it's just it's it's funny that you say you were wondering if it was like parodying anything or anything like that. And the, the thing that I like about it actually is that it's not, it's not deep enough to be a parody. Like it's, it's just doing the things like it's, it just is the tropes. Yeah. But like, that's, that's why I like it. It's like, it's Halloween time. Do you want to just throw on something that'll be like, Ah, yeah, like slashers and werewolves and ghosts. Woo! (laughs) Like, yeah, that's what this movie is. It ticked all the boxes. Oh, but man, it was a it was a rough start for me because immediately I'm like, who takes their decorations down on Halloween night? (laughs) It does. There are there's (laughs) that that's a very good point. That's insane. And I'm not saying that anyone deserves to get butchered and scarecrowified on their front lawn. <laughs> but like, if that's going to happen, I could see that being a reason. Yeah, don't, don't, at, just, at least wait until the next morning. There's no rush. Right. Yeah. But yeah, but then, you know, her boyfriend and or husband you know, would have slept in and played video games all day and then it would have been too late and her mom would arrive and I'm like, oh my God, please just. <laughs> oh. It was, it, I felt like really, it was a weak start. It was kind of some bad acting too. <laughs> and then the, uh, the nature documentary, I'm like, oh, all right, already. We're like two minutes in and here we go. <laughs> <laughs> I do, I do really like the opening credits though immediately after that scene that are all like comic book style kind of giving previews of the different stories i think those are fun yeah very stylized and that's how i figured out that creepy pumpkin boy is uh sam yes some good info the the thing that i i'm I'm down with the opening, uh, although I agree it's ridiculous to take your uh, decorations <laughs> down that early. But it's like a very, again, like it's just a very traditional horror movie opening of like someone does something kind of dumb and gets murdered. And it's like a, you know, little opening scare or whatever. Very classic stuff. Uh, the thing that really bothers me is after that and after the opening credits, you're following. There's like an extended tracking shot of like a kid dragging his candy bag through the mud. And I hate that. Oh, I'm glad I'm I'm glad I'm not the only one because that was I 
I mean, I wrote this down as well. It was one of the most disturbing scenes in the movie for me is just the, yeah, it was a very long shot and the ground was wet and the bag was muddy and gross and it was just weirdly upsetting. Yeah, no, that really hit me this time. Like watching it this time, I was like, oh, I don't like this. Why is this here? That's yucky. I guess it it, it did its job, I suppose. Yeah. Do you think it's just there so that you sympathize less with that kid when he gets murdered? <laughs> I mean, maybe. Th- this movie, on that note, maybe I've gotten old and too sensitive or spend too much time on the sensitive parts of the internet, but there's a lot of like weirdly problematic content in this movie. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> Hit me. I'm I'm interested to hear this. I don't necessarily disagree. I'm just curious. Yeah, I'm not saying it shouldn't be there or shouldn't exist necessarily. But, uh, you know, he's a, a chubby kid and he likes his candy and he's a little brat. And this chubby kid eats his candy and then dies. Little chubby kid, right? <laughs> and like it's, it's saying something there. <laughs> and then there's just, you know, there, there's Rhonda and then there's the bus full of special needs children and yeah (laughs) yeah i uh the Rhonda stuff specifically was the one that i pulled out on this rewatch of like "Eh, i don't love the way this is handled yeah some like language around it that is like i guess this was made in like 2005 and like that was unfortunately like how kids that age would talk in that time period like i i think the thing that keeps it keeps all that stuff from bothering me too much is that like the people who are shitty about all of that stuff are all like bad people (laughs) like we're not yeah yeah i am i am a proponent of bad things happening and people saying and doing bad things if it makes sense if it's natural and yeah language like that is something that happens and they're not depicted as being good characters i don't necessarily think it's problematic to show that yeah generally speaking not necessarily in this movie yeah but yeah i mean even setting that stuff aside it's a shame because i really like that story overall like if we're talking about the individual stories in this movie It is like a classic, like, spooky ghosts, creepy backstory for the town. Like, it hits a lot of, like, really good Halloween movie tropes. And I think if, like, I think if Rhonda was, like, just the shy nerd and that's it, and they didn't, like, tack on, like, also she's, like, on the autism spectrum or something, like, some undefined, like, other thing. Yeah. Adding that just gives it a weird extra veneer of like, I don't know, it's maybe not great that you have this happening to this character and her like reacting in the way that she does. By which I mean like leaving them all to die. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, because I mean that, (laughs) I didn't mean to get this deep into it. (laughs) No, I mean that is, um, a lack of empathy is something that others claim people on the spectrum have which can be problematic and untrue. Yeah. So, yeah, that that just kind of reinforces that concept. But I really liked overall Rhonda as a character. I thought she was one of the better. Yeah. She was the only character I cared about. Oh, yeah, for sure. And I think that's by design. And Spike. Oh, yeah, of course. Yeah. The dog. <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah, that's um, that's one of the things that I sort of like about this movie. Like, it's a it's a frequent criticism of horror films that I think is usually pretty untrue, which is all the characters are terrible and I don't like any of them. And <laughs> like, you know, I'm just rooting for them to get killed off. That's a really common criticism of horror and like a reason people give why they like don't watch horror movies or whatever. And like, there are definitely movies where that's true for sure. Uh, especially like slasher genre stuff. But I, I don't think it's as pervasive in the genre as people make it out to be. Uh, but it's absolutely the case in trick or treat completely intentionally <laughs> like oh yeah because most of the characters that you follow are like the principal that murders kids and like women and uh like the werewolves that eat a bunch of people in the woods and like stuff like that it's like you aren't supposed to like these people yeah and it, it makes sense in the context of the story they're trying to tell i found myself not really invested in anything other than maybe the film making aspect of it yeah okay i wasn't invested in the characters or really the story but i i did ultimately enjoy how it ended like the last third of the movie made the rest of the movie good or more better so what about the last third like what what are the parts of the movie that you liked let's start with positives all right well I did like the set design uh, yeah. in the atmosphere, especially in Krieg's, Mr. Krieg's house. That was really tense and good. Mm -hmm. But I found throughout the movie, I just did not like Lori and her posse of ladies going out partying and trying to pick up guys. It just felt so like desperate and boring and oh, I'm a 22-year-old virgin and so sad and can't get any men to notice me. But then <laughs> it all comes together. It's like, oh, everything they had set up until this point, that they go to different regions every Halloween, that they're looking for fresh meat, that she's wearing a little Red Riding Hood costume. Mm -hmm. <laughs> they're werewolves. They're not looking for a date. <laughs> they're looking to eat guys, <laughs> which is not a good thing, mind you. <laughs> <laughs> and I would rather they be looking for hookups. There's like so many tiny jokes about it too, to the point that like on this rewatch, I was like, I can't tell if this is just genuinely like super obvious that this is what the twist will be, or if it's just that I already know that's the twist. So I'm like immediately picking up all of the like double meanings here. I might have just been dense, but I uh it took until the Red Riding Hood costume came flying through the trees and landing with a thud for me to realize, <laughs> oh, okay. Yeah, because I, I didn't pick up on it. Even after Rhonda heard werewolves and said werewolves out loud, <laughs> I was like, oh, maybe some werewolves will show up and kick ass here. <laughs> no. So then I just forgot about werewolves. But yeah, that was that was good. Yeah, that's such a great, capstone to that story for like several reasons i like that the vampire guy who we've briefly seen in a couple previous scenes is like the shitty principal guy which is 
again, like there's a line earlier in the movie that somewhat foreshadows that where he's like talking to his son about how like the son can't come with to the parade because he's got a date and stuff like I like that he's not a literal vamp like he's faking being a vampire, but they are real werewolves. Yeah. Well, okay. I have so many thoughts around that. (laughs) We first see him as a vampire killing a woman after biting her during like a sexy makeout session, biting her multiple times with these apparently fake vampire teeth. We think it's real at the time. So I justified, oh, she's having like a supernatural ecstasy kind of moment and doesn't notice him biting her all over. (laughs) Like there's something supernatural about his vampire powers that makes her feel good during this. No, he's a human wearing vampire teeth. Why? Why didn't she notice? Well, it, just, it really maybe it was non supernatural ecstasy. I mean, it was a, they were a big party. That's true. She could have been on any combination of drugs and alcohol. Oh, yeah, that that could be. But yeah, then finding out that he's not a real vampire, very good. I also in that scene, I think it's gotta be an intentional nod to I Know What You Did Last Summer, which also has a character get, like, attacked and ultimately killed by the killer in, like, an alley while trying to run towards, like, a parade where people would see her, but she doesn't make it. Like, I that's, I feel like, gotta be on purpose. There's another moment later, I think, that is... See, here's the problem. We're recording this on October 6th, and because I'm a spooky boy, I've watched like four horror movies already this month. And so my goodness, I'm not positive if I'm thinking of Trick or Treat, but I think I'm thinking of Trick or Treat that later on there's like a The Thing reference where I think it's maybe Sam, the little uh, the little spooky man like does like recovers from a gunshot or something and mr krieg is like you gotta be fucking kidding me and it's like it's set up like the uh the head spider from the thing yeah and a hand a hand does come crawling back to sam yes yeah yeah that i didn't even put that together and i just recently watched the thing (laughs) there's probably other little references throughout the movie too because it's it's clearly a big love letter to the genre. But yeah, the then after the not a vampire reveal, we get the werewolf reveal, which is like, it's such a good, it's just like a funny subversion of like this, you know, oh, all these like sexy ladies are like stripping down. This is going to be, you know, like a big fan service scene. And then they just start tearing their skin off and becoming wolves. It's like yeah. they strip off all the clothes and then go one layer deeper. Yes. Oh, it was great job on the visceral blah. <laughs> it was yeah, it was an upsetting combination of yeah, they're doing this like weird sexy dance with their arms up and, and their chest out and and then they're ripping their skin off. Fantastic. It's not a cool transformation, you know? There's, like, cool werewolf transformations. Badass. This was just disturbing. Yeah, it's not uh, It's not quite American Werewolf in London level of, like, 
impressive, but it's very funny and gross. <laughs> it's probably the second best degloving scene I've seen in a film. Oh, <laughs> I don't know if I want to. I don't know if I want to know the first one. Uh, well, if you do, listener, it's Gerald's Game on Netflix, <laughs> directed by Mike Flanagan. That movie kicks ass. <laughs> oh, I'll know to avoid it. <laughs> I. I watched that movie and I thought like, oh man, that was really good. I really enjoyed that movie. And then that night for the first time in like, I don't know how long before I watched that movie. Like uh, my, my point being, I didn't come away from that movie thinking like, ooh, so scary. Like it was a horror movie, but I didn't come away from it like, oh, that's going to keep me up tonight. So there's a thing in that the the concept of that movie is that a woman is handcuffed to a bed and is just trying to like survive and escape because like no one knows that she's there. She she is handcuffed to the bed by her husband as part of like a sex thing, and then the husband has a heart attack and dies. <laughs> this is and they're funny. at like <laughs> they're at like a cabin retreat or whatever, so there's like no one around. So there's a thing in that movie where like she falls asleep and wakes up in the middle of the night, and there's like a dude standing in the corner of the room at the foot of the bed or whatever, just like watching her. That's like a recurring thing. Like she passes out again, wakes up later and he's gone. And then that night he's back and it's just like a thing. He never does anything to her. He just stands and watches her. I woke up in the middle of the night that, that night after I watched it because I like needed to use the restroom or something. And uh, at the time, the house we were living in, like our bedroom, there was a big closet across like from the foot of our bed and it had hooks on it where we hung our robes so i woke up and i laid there for probably like three full minutes with my eyes closed just like i don't want to open my eyes and look at like the foot of the <laughs> bed right now i just don't want to do it and i finally did and there was a split second where I was like, oh, God, no, it's happening. Because I could just see the outline of the robe <laughs> that was hanging there. <laughs> no, it was fine. There wasn't a creepy. Clearly. There wasn't <laughs> a creepy here. man with a box full of human fingers. Mm. He has a box full of human fingers, by the way. I didn't mention that. <laughs> Jesus. At least oh, I God. think that's what yeah. it. it might just be jewelry, but it's jewelry he took off of dead people. I don't know. It's a whole thing. It's a good movie. I I mean, I, this sums up why I don't like the horror genre very much. But he he I mean he doesn't do anything to her. He's not a threat in the the movie's more about, you know well, I don't know. The movie's about a bunch of really action. really dark shit that we don't need to get into. All right. All right. So back back to trick or treat then. <laughs> you you mentioned that it's not like doing anything super smart, but I actually <laughs> I'm sorry. I just I'm sorry. I just realized that I said there's a man who stares at her in the night with a box of human fingers. But anyway, that's not what the movie's about. The movie's about dark stuff that we don't need to talk about. <laughs> and also, he's not a threat. <laughs> just your friendly <laughs> man staring at you <laughs> uh, but yeah the the twists in trick-or-treat i actually did really enjoy and i thought it successfully subverted some of my expectations just throughout the movie yeah i i agree i i 
I do think it has like lots of fun, clever little twists. And everything is really, they're all pretty like s- small stories, which allows the movie to kind of pepper in like a bunch of little twists to little plots. Not like none of them are like big, huge, mind blowing reveals or anything, but they're all like fun. Yeah. And the stories manage to be connected in some ways throughout the town and the small stories occurring, which I thought was a nice touch. Yeah, that's one of the things that I really enjoy about this movie is the structure, because there are a lot of horror anthology movies, right? I mean, you've got like Creepshow and VHS and like all these, there's lots and lots of them, ABCs of Death, whatnot. But usually a horror anthology movie is like, okay, there are four stories or so, three or four stories usually, and some kind of like wraparound segment that explains all of them, right? Like in Creep Show, in one of the Creep Shows, or maybe it's Tales from the Dark Side. In one of the ones like that, it's like there's a witch who's gonna like, you know, boil a child in her cauldron, and the child is like telling her these stories to stall for time or whatever. Or in VHS, it's like guys break into this dude's home and are watching his weird old VHS tapes and each VHS tape is one of the four stories and stuff like that. So Uh. that's like the usual structure for an anthology horror film. And Trick or Treat's not structured like that at all. It's much more like, like, um, era, like Love Actually or something like that. Like, it's just like a bunch of, I haven't seen Love Actually in a long time. Do those like interweave like this one does? Or is it are they all standalone? I can't remember now. I'm not familiar. But my point being like, yeah, like you follow one story for a little bit and then you transition over to a different one. And like you kind of get a sense as the movie wears on of like when things are happening in one story relative to another story. And yeah how different characters are connected and stuff like that and uh, it's just fun like i really like this structure where there's no one overall narrative and there's also no like segmentation of like okay this is the 20 minutes where you watch this story and then it's over it's very organic and It is. I was surprised when I saw the word anthology. That's exactly what I was thinking is there would be a few short stories and great. But no, it it was surprising having having this through line and the town all being connected and the I don't want to call her dipshit lady. That's not nice. The lady at the beginning that gets murdered, you know, it starts kind of toward the end. Yeah, it starts at the end, really, Mm -hmm. uh, with her being murdered by Sam. And then it goes back in time toward the beginning of the story and we see her and her boyfriend husband man just multiple times barely in the scenes as they're passing by we see her robot costume in a couple places and i just thought that was a nice touch we kind of see their day unfolding as shit goes down yeah it's i it's funny there's an episode that we've recorded that i don't think it will be out by the time this comes out but in that episode, I talk about setting tone a lot. Yeah. It's like every other word out of my mouth is like the tone that this sets. Right in between whips ass. Yeah. Tone whips ass. Yeah. 
Um, and I'm about to do that again because that's that's at the the end of the day, what I really like about this movie is its tone is like it's creepy and spooky and fun. Like I think that's you hate all of the characters and are rooting for them to die because like this is a movie about scary Halloween things happening to people. And it's like the movie's like telling you like, hey, we don't want you to feel bad about any of this. This is just like fun, fun, spooky times. There's a very specific type of media that is Halloween media. And I think Halloween media is different than horror. And sometimes they overlap. Like, this is definitely a horror movie. People get dismembered and all that stuff. Decapitated. Oh, yeah. Uh, ripped apart by werewolves. <laughs> you know. <laughs> it, it's Stabbed with a candy freezer. <laughs> right. It's, it's definitely a horror movie. But more than that, it's a Halloween movie. I just really, I have a huge soft spot for Halloween shit specifically. Halloween is like my favorite holiday, genuinely. I fucking love Halloween. And I don't know why, like, I guess it's because I'm such a big fan of horror or whatever. And it's like an excuse to really just dive in headfirst to all of the horror shit that I want. But like, I like horror tropes, even if I'm not, in a horror story like we play you and i play a lot of like tabletop games right mm-hmm. like uh D and pathfinder and stuff and i'm just a like i just like using like undead monsters and werewolves and shit like i just think they're fun and uh halloween it's all about that shit you this is a totally relevant statement you are gonna really like act two of baldur's gate three Oh, good. <laughs> you Yeah, you were going to love it. <laughs> Apparently, BG3 is my scream. <laughs> How many episodes can I mention? Baldur's Gate? Uh, but yeah, like that, that makes sense. I mean, it's, it's, it's the spooky month, Halloween time. I was a, a little disappointed because because it does take place on Halloween. I expected the trope of there being some like little shit in costume who does a jump scare and bullies some of the main cast, but they're like not really the bad person. You know, like the, 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 in like all the movies, there's that one teenage guy in the costume who just does something mean spirited to the main characters, like in paper girls. That happened, oh right? yeah. 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 That didn't happen in this movie. And I, I was betting on it happening. I mean, it kind of does. That's sort of what Rhonda's story is, to a degree. Yeah, that was a little more severe. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah, I mean, that definitely is the crux of Rhonda's story. But yeah, I, I know what you mean. It's not like in Halloween when the bully kids jump out and smash the one kid's pumpkin, the kid that Laurie Strode babysits or whatever. Like, it's not like that, where it's just like jump scare Oh, it's just like a jerk. <laughs> like, yeah. Yeah. That's the only trope I'm familiar with <laughs> <laughs> for like Halloween night movies. I feel like it doesn't even have to be a horror movie. It could be a, a comedy that takes place on Halloween and that's going to happen. It's just mm-hmm. the nature of Halloween. 
I love when shows, when TV shows have Halloween episodes, no matter what it is, like even if it's just like a sitcom and the only thing really Halloween-y about it is that everybody like dresses up or whatever, it's just like fun and festive. I I particularly like it when they like really go all out and have like an out of continuity, like something supernatural actually happens type episode. Mm. I'm a big fan of like the Simpsons Treehouse of Horror, like that kind of shit. Yeah, I'm I'm not familiar with that, but I can picture what you're talking about, broadly speaking. I just am thinking in the context of anime now where there's always that like haunted school episode (laughs) going through the dark haunted school in the middle of night and things happen. Yeah, not quite Halloween, but... There's uh there are two Halloween episodes of Digimon Ghost Game. <laughs> <laughs> that that is the spooky one. Yeah. Uh you know what show had really good Halloween episodes and it's I don't know if it's more or less surprising that this is the case considering it is itself like a genre TV show. Buffy the Vampire Slayer <laughs> had two like really good Halloween episodes. I think it's seasons two and four. Like they weren't Halloween episode was not like a regular thing in in Buffy or anything like that. But there's one episode where uh, like an evil wizard guy casts a spell and it makes everybody like actually turn into the thing that they're dressed as for Halloween. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, it's a very fun episode. I think Buffy is dressed as like a princess, and so she like can't help fight the stuff because now she's just like a useless Victorian person. Xander is dressed as like a soldier, and so he's like suddenly hyper competent, even though he's usually like the loser who doesn't really contribute. It's it's a super fun episode. Nice. I don't remember season two is the season that introduces Spike, who's like one of the best recurring Buffy characters. And I don't remember if he actually teams up with them or if he just agrees like not to fuck with them in this episode, because it's a thing in the Buffy universe that like, even though like vampires and demons and ghosts and shit are all real in this universe, they don't as a rule do anything on Halloween because it's like tacky. Uh, Yeah, that's like too easy. Yeah. Easy pickings. And then in season four, there's a great episode where somebody accidentally casts a spell when making like a haunted house and, uh, you know, like a a Halloween haunted house attraction thing. And it makes it so that when you enter the house, like you see manifestations of all of your fears. (laughs) That's a thanks. That's a super fun episode as well. Feels like every episode of Buffy should be a Halloween episode by default not like literally halloween but just you know all the all the components buffy's so good before before you go down that rabbit hole i want to talk about steve yeah which one is steve the guy that is steve the guy with the elf ears (laughs) who's steve no no i I forget what his name was no steve is the the principal guy oh yeah okay Yeah, yeah 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 so one thing Dylan Baker is creepy. He did a great job being a little creep. (laughs) Yeah, for sure. As soon as he sat down on those steps with Charlie with that brand new pumpkin carving knife because his others were too dull. 
He's <laughs> just hacking away at the pumpkin. But no, I, I was surprised at how diversified his portfolio of killing hobbies is. Yeah. I'm like, this man poisons candy and puts razor blades in candy, which I don't like that. It freaks people out. And then they go off the deep end in reality. But anyway, and he also like carves people up with his son and buries bodies in his backyard and apparently masquerades as a vampire. I'm like, this guy, he needs an additional hobby that isn't murder. (laughs) But he doesn't have time for that. Not with all the murder. (laughs) Not with all the murder. I was really surprised he was the vampire. That felt kind of... That felt like a lot for one guy. Yeah, he's busy. Yeah, he is. I assume I assume he really dials it up on Halloween. I should hope that's not his normal murder pace. Yeah. That uh that comedy of errors when he's trying to <laughs> I presume Charlie to the grave in his backyard and it's just <laughs> <laughs> one thing after another. <laughs> yeah. Oh. Yeah. You're right, though. He's so he's immediately you peg him as like, oh, no, (laughs) like this guy's this guy's no good. It almost makes you want to believe he's actually not that bad for like half a second. Mm -hmm. And then now it's just no. Yeah, because it's right at the start. You don't know exactly. Like, you know that there's you know that Sam is around. So it's sort of like, well, is Sam maybe going to be the bad guy? in all the stories or like what and it's like yeah you kind of think for a minute like oh well maybe this is like so obvious that this dude's a creep that it's like setting up a subversion of that um but then no (laughs) not at all no he's just the worst he really is i mean one of his first lines is like that's bad for your diabetes or you'll get diabetes or whatever Mm -hmm. to charlie because bullshit and grabbing all the candy but yeah also his tongue and the sounds he makes when he's vampire kissing victim <laughs> oh man like dude oh <laughs> oh no but those are the sounds i make when i kiss <laughs> <laughs> seek help <laughs> it's very very wet <laughs> <laughs> It's like it's like he's tucking into an ice cream or something. He's just like, mm, I apologize. Wait, do, do women not like that? I mean, I can't speak for all of them. Uh, but yeah, he's fucking weird. Yeah, he he really is. In a similar vein to like, man, this dude really have like racks up the kills and has so many like mo's and stuff i had a similar thought of like this is a lot of shit happening in one night for this town like the police are gonna wake up tomorrow like what the fuck (laughs) yeah why are there like eight dead bodies and like a dozen missing dudes that's true i guess it wouldn't be so bad if the werewolves hadn't come to visit yeah that'd be pretty bad (laughs) another like kind of funny thing that stood out to me on this watch as like obviously they had to do this for the benefit of 
the viewer or whatever. Like it's a very it's a very much a like film convention thing more so than like something that would literally actually happen when it pans to the photo in Mr. Krieg's fireplace. And it's like, uh, he just happens to be burning this like 20 or 30 year old <laughs> shit. Yeah. Tonight of all nights. Like I had the same thought. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. I mean, at the time I was like, Ooh, great twist. But also, why now? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I I really enjoyed that twist. Yeah, me too. I think it's I think it's solid. It was like a, a twist on top of a twist, because you you kind of get the sense like, okay, he just survived Sam and his demeanor is a little improved. You know, he's maybe made peace with that really horrible, awful thing that he did. Yeah. It's like a it's like a Halloween Scrooge, right? Like yeah, he's he's been confronted with the errors of his past, and now he's giving out candy to children and being a good little Halloween boy. Yes. How many times this episode have I said "good little Halloween boy"? Do you think it's it's quite a few? Ooh. Has it? <laughs> I think oh, I don't so. Know. We'll have to do a count. But the yeah, the follow up twist where the next kids that come to his door. Oh man. I'm like, oh, that was not the end of his arc. This is the end of his arc. <laughs> yes. <laughs> uh, yeah. Yeah, that's a great twist. Should we contextually explain that twist or just just leave it yeah, like that? Yeah, I mean, I don't know. I feel like we haven't contextually explained very much of this movie at all. <laughs> <laughs> we should maybe no. we, we should maybe put at the start of this, like, not to add preamble, but... <laughs> This will be incomprehensible if you haven't watched the movie. <laughs> what did what did you think of the epic uh, Sam fight against Mr. Krieg? Oh, it's fun. I like that he gets, like we mentioned earlier, like his hand gets blown off or whatever. And he's got his weird candy weapons. And, you know, Mr. Krieg puts up a good fight. He really does. <laughs> What I find, okay, this this really cracked me up. He goes upstairs detecting that something is amiss. And there's this jack-o'-lantern burning in the corner of his room. There's this toy hand under the sheets of his bed. And there is writing, presumably in blood, over every inch of his room. And he's just like, just looking around. And then he gets shanked in his calf, like slashed by the the candy bar that had a razor in it and it he does not freak out until sam holds up the razor after all of that has happened that's when he's like ah <laughs> that might also maybe and I, this might be a stretch because this is just a thing that happens in horror movies sometimes but now i'm thinking about that scene i'm wondering if it's a pet cemetery shout out because judd crandall gets his his like achilles slashed by a razor being wielded by like a child mm. in that cemetery. I mean, it is very, yeah, it seemed very deliberate. I also thought it was funny that it was a, a candy bar razor. Yeah. <laughs> but, but the fact that all of that happens and then he's like, who the fuck are you? And the little Sam holds up the razor and he's just like, ah, <laughs> that's when he panics. <laughs> like, sir, your dog is possibly dead and there's a jack-o'-lantern burning in the corner of your room and there's blood. On, what is he's probably, yeah, he's but probably drunk. 
You know what Mr. Creed calls that? Tuesday night. Tuesday night. Yeah, I guess. This shit happens, you know? Oh, but not Spike. Yeah. Do you have any uh, Halloween time movies that you enjoy? You like a hocus pocus person or anything like that? I've watched it a couple times, but no, I'm not like a religiously watches hocus pocus on Halloween. I guess I just didn't hop on that uh, trend bandwagon cult classic. Do I watch anything on Halloween? Hmm. Maybe not. I'm sorry. No, I kind of feel like I I don't know. There's this. I thought the light went out of your eyes for a second. (laughs) (laughs) I just masked disappointment. I, for years, even before I was really into horror, some channel like AMC or something would do a marathon every year of like the entire Halloween franchise up to that point, which was like the original up through Resurrection. I guess it probably would have been. I would always watch those at least like the first few movies. I would usually watch like one and two and four at least because three is the weird one. That's not Michael Myers, but I watched those like a bunch. Like I watch it every year. And then when I started to like actually get into horror, Halloween is like definitely one of my favorites. So here's here's the thing. I don't think Halloween, I don't think there's enough meat on those bones to talk about Halloween on this podcast. It's really good. I like that movie a lot, but it very much like, like, it's just what you expect from a slasher movie, right? Because it, I don't want to say that it set the standard or whatever. Like, it's not like the first example or anything like that, but it is definitely, I think, the one that kind of broke through like the public consciousness and was like, this is a thing that American cinema can do. Like, knife-wielding murderers, they're not just for Giallo anymore. <laughs> like, But uh, I, I don't think that there's anything we could say in an hour-long podcast that hasn't been said like a thousand times before by other people who are probably more learned on the topic of like horror history and stuff than I am. However... Edumacated people. <laughs> That being said, you know what I would love to talk about on this podcast at some point? Every horror movie except Halloween, apparently. (laughs) The recent trilogy of Halloween sequels. Halloween, Halloween Kills, and Halloween Ends. I think each one of them has a really specific... Like, there's a really specific topic I would have in mind for each one of those movies that I think would be interesting to discuss. It, it took me a second to follow trilogy of Halloween sequels as someone who really <laughs> knows nothing about Halloween. Uh, I think you've talked about it before. Yeah. It's like a Halloween, like 2019, I think is when mm. is when the first one came out and then what it was like 21 and 22 or something wow. or uh, two and three's release dates. They're busy. Yeah. And I think, I mean, I am going to make you talk about every Scream movie um, on this podcast at some point. And so, like, Scream 5 kind of covers what I would want to talk about, about 
Halloween, which is the idea of like a what Scream 5 would term a requel, where it is kind of a sequel and kind of a remake, where it doesn't get rid of prior continuity, but it pretty much starts from the ground floor and you don't really have to have seen previous stuff. What do you think every other studio director, producer feels about a series of movies called Halloween existing and it's not theirs? Because I feel like that's like that's like you get the domain name that's really popular, right? You get yeah. Halloween.com, right? Right. <laughs> like that's got to hurt. Yeah, I mean, I, I think to a degree, yeah, that's got to be annoying. So Friday the 13th is named Friday the 13th because Halloween was a massive, massive success. And the guy that produced Friday the 13th went, holy shit, like everybody fucking loves this Halloween movie. And it made like all kinds of money on like no budget. We could, I could do that. And he took out an ad in a newspaper that just said like Friday the 13th, the scariest movie ever made. He had done nothing like he, he there was no script. There was no funding. He literally just like went, well, Halloween is like a scary day. If I pick another scary day, someone will give me money for it. And that's what happened. It, it apparently worked. Wild. <laughs> but yeah, that, that thought just occurred to me while you're talking about Halloween. Like, that's the easiest, lowest effort Halloween movie name one could have. It would be like if you were making, like, How the Grinch Stole Christmas or Frosty the Snowman or something, and you just called it Christmas. Basically, yeah. Anyway, what else happened in Trick or Treat? What are we, what are we doing? I mean, I think that, I think that pretty much covers it. Are there any major story threads that we didn't hit? We talked about Rhonda and the spooky, uh, spooky ghost kids in the quarry. Uh, we talked about Mr. Krieg. We talked about Principal Wilkins. We talked about the werewolves. Something I, I did like is that Billy, Steve's son, Billy, Toward the end of the movie, he's just sitting on the porch waiting for his dad, who is now dead. And he's wearing a costume of his dad, as we saw his dad earlier in the day, with, you know, his button down shirt and just blood all over <laughs> one side of it. Yes. And, I mean, he's cosplaying as his father from earlier in the day. This <laughs> is Halloween costume. <laughs> yeah. What a weird uh, kid. Yeah. Yeah. I thought that was a good... A good uh, closing. The the core of the movie is really a touching story about the bond between a father and son, you know? Uh, yeah, yeah, because it sounded like Steve probably had a weird father as well. <laughs> yeah, that's true. <laughs> well, I appreciate you uh, indulging me in uh, <laughs> checking out this movie that I was like 50-50 odds that you like any of it. <laughs> Yeah, it was a rough, like, two-thirds. <laughs> again, that idea of, did I pick the wrong movie? Am I watching what Ethan wanted me to be watching? Uh, and then the doubt. I'm like, what if this is, like, deep horror stuff, and I just don't understand it? And Ethan's going to be disappointed when I get on the call, and I'm like, mm, that was all kind of weird. <laughs> I feel better knowing that... Uh, that was not the case. Yeah, no, it's all it's all very surface level. It's just uh, 
It's just a bunch of candy. It's just a bunch of Halloween candy. Nothing substantive to it. Just like a fun, goofy time. If you like horror shit. (laughs) (laughs) I'll say I look forward to going back to things like Scream and The Thing. Yeah, things that are interesting to dissect. (laughs) Yeah. Things that have like themes and uh, relatable characters and whatnot. Yeah, yeah, for sure. But it was fun. I did enjoy it. There was some some good camera work that I liked. The costumes were fun. The sets were fun and spooky. Yeah, I, the set design, I think, is really important, which you touched on earlier. Yeah, I, I think it's it's just got this Halloween atmosphere that I really love. I always, when I was a kid, I always wanted to be one of those houses that like went all out on Halloween decorations. I was like, you know, when I'm when I have my own house. I'm going to just really fuck up my yard on Halloween. <laughs> we, uh, we have a lot of... Okay, so back where I used to live, someone down the street had just like like a warehouse of Halloween decor just vomited on their yard. <laughs> it, I mean, it was just... Every square inch of their yard was covered in Halloween decor. Like the, the blow-up decorations. Um, they had things attached to the light pole they had they they didn't have a fence but they put up a fake wrought iron fence as decor and and hung things from that it was crazy (sighs) that's the dream yeah like people would drive from all over town and go visit it but around here is pretty good too yeah i I love stuff like that (sighs) halloween's so cool i i I recently my in-laws were getting rid of a bunch of their old records and they were like you know you guys have a record player like do you want any of this old stuff from like the 70s or whatever and we were like yeah absolutely so we got to go through their record collection and um i don't super align with them musically but (laughs) i did find i did find an album from like the late 50s or early 60s or something called Halloween Spook Stuff. And uh, I grabbed that. That sounds like modern lingo. <laughs> I, uh, I particularly like that it uses the apostrophe in Halloween between the E's. Mm. That's always fun when that happens. <laughs> also, that, that witch, that broomstick, is that a missile? <laughs> I believe it is. delightful yeah it's i i haven't actually like tried to play it It, like if i had to guess it's probably it probably won't actually play like i bet it's old and warped and stuff but uh yeah just looking at the track listing uh i it just makes me very happy (laughs) because like one side (laughs) is just sound effects and it's so it's like track two screams track three creaky heaven <laughs> creaking heavy door wooden track four creaking heavy door metal oh wow there's witch's cat and witch's cat mean <laughs> i can picture it i got it yeah my a cute little meow <laughs> my favorite is uh is track 16 is thunderclap and then track 17 is thunderclap different 
oh my goodness did they let the interns name this like what <laughs> this is like this is like the files of someone who is unorganized but it's their personal files for their sound effects yeah thunderclap different <laughs> like that's what i would do in the shit that goes into the podcast <laughs> And then side two is spooky stories. Yeah, scene five is called Spooky Zoo Party. <laughs> you know, that's that's funny because there's a lot of like brew at the zoo events. Sorry, boo. Boo at the mm. zoo, which often involves brew. Have you ever been to one of those? No. It, it's fun. They like close down or rather they open up the zoo at night and it's usually like adults only. And you just get to wander around Spooky Zoo with some, like, animal stuff on display. <laughs> like rhinoceroses <laughs> in uh, skeleton costumes? Precisely. <laughs> uh, not quite. But yeah, it's, it's cool. Uh, there's also hobgoblins in spaceships, which might be why the witch is riding on a missile, maybe? What a weird... I want to I find this online somewhere, if the record doesn't play. Yeah. Well, I, I I need to test it. I hope it does play because I need to know what scene seven, hey diddle diddle spook stuff could possibly be. Again, it's like it's like 2020 internet speak. Hall- Halloween spook spooky time. <laughs> okay, well I think that about covers it for trick or treat. So uh Sarah, I have a closing question for you. Go for it. I'm ready. What is your favorite candy? You know, I'm really not great at favorites. Maybe I'm not ready. <laughs> I uh, I love a peanut butter cup, personally. <laughs> you know? What is I'll a candy you like? <laughs> come on! This is like Sorry, that... I got sidetracked. It's like that Billy Eichner, name a woman thing. <laughs> um okay maybe not a favorite but fifth avenue i do like a good fifth avenue okay but peanut butter cups this is where i got sidetracked peanut butter cups do you remember is this all in my head do you remember Reese's peanut butter cups back in like the 90s or very early 2000s maybe had a a peanut butter cup with a cookie layer on the bottom yeah that sounds vaguely familiar you like it like a solid chocolate cookie layer not like crumbly bits it was so good and i miss it i can remember it from when i was like seven there used to be a candy bar that i think about all the time that was just like a bar of cookie covered in chocolate like it was like a snickers or something but the inside was just a cookie and that's not a thing anymore <laughs>